Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. And today, today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. So we just heard from President Joe Biden announcing that the United States will now be sending Abrams tank uh, tanks to Ukraine. This is a significant development, uh, a significant uh, policy and position, position change for the U.S. Uh, in the Ukrainian war. Right. The, the war in Ukraine began last February uh, when Russia invaded the country, and it's quickly approaching its one-year anniversary, which I think if you looked at the first expectations, uh, the Ukrainian army and citizens have really soared through past most expectations. Uh, when spring starts and the temperatures begin to rise, we suspect the fighting in the region will intensify. And so in preparation, this is a major policy shift from from stated um, interest of the U.S. and other allies, such as Britain and, and Germany for sure today, have approved tanks to be sent to Ukraine for their use. Uh, prior to this, Taylor, the Biden administration has been hesitant to make such steps of support. Um, so the questions that are at hand today are what has changed this and what affects these tanks will have in the Ukrainian war. And I think a key thing is what's next. Are we, are we meaning NATO, the allies, the United States, Germany, Britain are going to continue down this road? Um, we do have, you know, some additional coverage today with uh, Dan Lamoth, who covers U.S. military for The Washington Post. Dan, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, Dan. We know that recently uh, Vladimir Putin had made statements uh, alluding to this notion that the alliance among the West against Russia in Ukraine, the the will to support Ukraine was waning and that that alliance was crumbling. Is this in part, at least, in response as a show of unity and force in response to what Vladimir Putin has been saying? I don't see it as a response to what he's been saying, but but I do see it as a contradiction of what he what he's been saying. Kind of this uh, idea that the the United States, NATO allies, and some of the others that are assisting, uh, we're sort of running out of interest. Um, I, I think, you know, whether that's the case a year from now is is probably another story. But for the time being, that there, there's there's actually increasing interest. There's increasing willingness to send. Heavy arms, heavy armor, things that you, Ukraine has not had to date uh, from from the West and others, uh, and basically adding to the arsenal as opposed to uh, running out of interest. Let's talk for a second about the field effects of this. Um, what what will the effects be uh, for the Ukrainian army by have, having heavy armor uh, to fight Russia against? Yeah, I think short term, the most notable piece of the Abrams discussion is actually not the Abrams at all. It's the German tanks that will be sent uh, as a part of sort of this this broader plan. Uh, the idea is that the Abrams tank uh, will will probably arrive late this year, possibly even early next year. Uh, the United States had been hung up on sending the Abrams, thinking that it was too logistically burdensome. Uh, you know, potentially causing as many problems as it was solving, uh, and that the Leopard tank, uh, which Germany makes and a number of countries in European, uh, in Europe own, uh, 
would be a smarter choice with more countries involved that could uh, provide parts, uh, could, could provide the weapons themselves. Mm. Uh, so the idea is that you're going to see Leopard tanks flow very quickly uh, and that Ukraine would have them available by, you know, feasibly March, April, something like that, which is when they're planning a big counteroffensive. Uh, they've been pretty openly telegraphing. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Was Germany's decision to finally send the Leopard tanks contingent upon uh, the, the U.S. sending uh, the M1 Abrams tanks? That's been, that's been sensitive. And, it, you know, I, I was in Germany last week when, when this came up with, with senior officials, and they went to great pains to say that, you know, this Abrams discussion, uh, that there was no direct tie to sort of a, quote, un- unlocking of the, of the Leopard option. Uh, but I think the reality is that the leopard option had been hung up for months with Germany very openly saying, we're not doing this unless the Abrams is going to. I think the Biden administration has found something that they think makes sense uh, to, to allow the, the leopards to go forward, while at the same time not sending the Abrams until there's additional time, effort, money, spent on training, logistics, other things that Ukraine would need to use a very advanced and very complicated weapon that that adds a lot of uh, baggage along with it. So, Dan, walk us through one of the big conversations that we're hearing is the risk of this action escalating the war, right? Russia sees this now. U.S. and German tanks are being deployed against them. Um, Does this have a high risk of escalation? And actually, what, what does it look like for Russia to escalate the war? Yeah, it's um, you know, that's a discussion that that, that I think uh, interested parties have been having for the better part of a year now, you know, and you, and you see a lot of Russian threats to that effect. Uh, but the reality is, Russia has continued to escalate the, the war in a number of ways that are non-nuclear. Uh, you know, these wave attacks of missiles on apartment buildings and other things like that. You know, that, like that is something that. You know, they went from doing that at the beginning and kind of then focusing on the battlefield and then kind of as a matter of policy almost, you know, very specifically targeting civilian areas, uh, the electrical infrastructure, like that was seen as a significant escalation in its own. Uh, so, so now you're starting to see the West become more comfortable with things that they weren't before, particularly as Ukraine in a lot of ways uh, shows a lot of metal and a lot of capability that you know the outside world didn't necessarily know they had. Yeah, Dan, what can you tell us about the logistics of uh, moving these tanks to Ukraine, and even the logistics of the Leopard tanks coming from Germany? I I can't imagine 
uh, that that is not a difficult process. What, what do you know about the logistics involved? Walk us through that if you can. Yeah, I mean, these, these vehicles and, and both kinds of tanks, you know, these are absolutely massive, heavy vehicles, you know, 50, 60, 70 tons, depending on the configurations. Uh, they're typically moved around by rail, uh, and a lot of the supplies in Ukraine have been moved around by rail uh, very openly. So you're seeing, you know, like you would expect things to flow forward from European countries. And then, you know, there are several different countries that are, you know, an option to get them in. Uh, but it, it's complicated. And it, and it also includes swapping from one kind of rail size uh, outside of Ukraine to a different kind of uh, track in Ukraine. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of burdens um, in, in terms of operating these things. Uh, the American Abrams gets less than one mile per gallon in terms of fuel wow. consumption. And the, the Leopard gets less than two. Like that, just to give you a sense for like how significant this is, uh, the, the Leopard runs on diesel. That's pretty easy to come by. Uh, the, the Abrams runs on a, on a multi-fuel engine. It can use diesel. It doesn't typically. It actually typically uses JP8, which is a kind of jet fuel. Oh, wow. So uh, major movements. Uh, Dan Lamoth, who covers the U.S. military for the Washington Post, we really appreciate you joining KSL today. Thank you. So, Taylor, wow, this is, I mean, I, it's amazing that, it's a big deal. that this is still going on. Yeah. So I'm glad we're covering it. Up next, we're going to come back to Utah, Salt Lake City. 30 years ago, had a vision of a ballpark. Was it achieved? Stay tuned on Inside Sources on KSL.